Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. Why don't you stand? If you're looking for a life verse, you couldn't. I'm just going to read three verses from the scriptures. If you're looking for a life verse, you know, some verse that you want to just imprint on your heart. Maybe uh, every morning when you get on your knees to pray, you just want to repeat. This would be a good one. I have been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. That old me is dead. But it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Gosh, is that awesome, you know? The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, right? Um, In the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. And then Acts chapter two, at Pentecost, Peter is preached to a large crowd gathered on that uh, uh, high holy day in the Jewish culture, feast day of Pentecost. And he has told them that, you know, the man you executed 50 days ago was actually the Messiah. And uh, this is what it says in verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Faith and repentance. Um, Amen. You may be seated. Please. So how do you become a Christian? I mean, what's the way in? We've talked about it's the, it's, it's the kindness of God, the love of God, the election of God, the, the adoption of God. And we love him because he first loves us. God has to, we have to be born again. Dead people can't um, run to Christ. Dead people don't do anything. We have to be made spiritually alive. We, we are born again before faith. We don't have faith and then we're born again. We're born again and then we exercise faith. Uh, but, but how does it actually happen? When it comes to us, God's done his work. What, what actually takes place in us by the Holy Spirit, um, faith and repentance? What's the way in? What's the pathway? You know, if you want to go to Harvard, there's a pathway, right? You better be taking really hard courses, right? You better be adding to your sort of uh, life experiences, some real community service. <clears throat> You're going to have to um, get extraordinary scores, right, on uh, on your, your pre-college testing. There's a pathway, you gotta follow the pathway. You wanna be a United States Marine, there's a pathway, right? Doesn't really involve playing video games in your parents' basement. Um, you wanna be a Marine, there's physical fitness tests. You're gonna have to meet with, you're gonna have to meet their standards even before they'll give you a try. And then there's this little vacation they offer you in Paris Island, um, South Carolina. There's a pathway you have to follow. Um, you wanna be a nurse, right? 
You can't just show up for work and say, I think I got what it takes. No, there's a lot of science classes to take. There's a lot of hands-on experience. You've got to pass your NCLEX, you know, your national certification, your state boards. Um, there's a pathway. What's the pathway to become a Christian? Do you know how? Suppose you said, I want to, I want to, but how? Pastor, tell me how. It's interesting. I heard a speaker say this week that in, in certain parts of our country, you can ask people if they're a Christian, and they'll say, of course. If you were to say, um, why, I mean, uh, support that claim to be a Christian, they say, well, um, I grew up going to church. Uh, I'm a good person, they might say. I believe in God. I believe in the existence of God. Um, They might say, we pray uh, before meals, sometimes. Um, uh, But what's missing in their profession? What's glaringly absent? Jesus. Jesus. In large parts of this country, you can ask people, um, are you a Christian? They'll say, of course, but then there'll be no mention of Jesus. So, um, what does it take? Um, What's involved uh, in being, uh, how do you actually become a Christian? So, there was a, a performer a long time ago came to our country from France. His name was Charles Blundin. I used to think this was kind of a cultural legend, but no, uh, the Smithsonian says it's true, and we're following the science. Um, So um, Blondin, you know what he did? This is pre-Civil War. This is 1859. Um, He set up a wire across Niagara Falls, and thousands of people came. They actually tried to get him committed before he did it because he was obviously insane to think he could walk across on a, on a tightrope. And uh, in fact, he did it, and over the years, he continued to do it. I think he did it over 300 times. And he got cocky as he went on. You know, Blondine would, um, he did cartwheels across the wire. He did it blindfolded. He did it backwards. He stood on his head in the middle. I mean, if you could think of it, he carried people on his back from one side to the other. If you can imagine, he, um, my favorite is he brought a stove out there with him and the ingredients to make an omelet, made an omelet, lit a fire, made an omelet, and passed it down to the boat that was hovering below him. I mean, incredible um, showman. He actually died a natural death. He didn't uh, plummet to his um, death ultimately. But... You know, it said that Blondine would, uh, because he would play up to the crowd, he would uh, do some antics out there. He liked to take a wheelbarrow across, and he'd said, uh, you know, he'd say to them, "Do you believe I can? I'm go out there and stand on my head. Do you believe that I could um, do this with uh, with a child in each arm? Do you believe I could do this? You know." Um, uh, this way and that way. Do you believe I could push a wheelbarrow back? At every, at every uh, incitement of the crowd, they would be, yes, 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 we believe. Do you believe I could push a wheelbarrow to the other side and back with a person in it? Yes, yes, we believe. And then he would look at them and say, who's getting in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> and all the believers there, none of them would get in. If you believe, If you really believe, you get in. Have you? Let's go, let's study this together. Ready, got a sermon outline? You see, the more personal question, of course, isn't just um, how do you become a Christian, but have you become a Christian? 
The majority of people that are converted in this church come to this church believing they're Christians. The majority of people who are converted and become Christians for the first time aren't people that walk in and say, I'm not a Christian, I don't understand Christianity, I've never studied, I've never been one, I don't even think I wanna be, that's not the majority. The majority of people come through the doors saying I'm a Christian and discover that they've never gotten in to the wheelbarrow. How about you? Ready? Faith, let's talk about faith. Because um, that's how you become a Christian, by faith. Faith, by the way, is a noun, believe is the verb, right? It's the same thing, right? Um, you exercise faith by believing. Um, but look at what the scriptures uh, say. For by grace you have been saved through what? But it's not of your own doing, it's a gift of God. God gives you faith in order for you to exercise that faith. So, uh, next screen. I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God. And then, and then the very well-known, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whosoever what? The one who believes, the one who believes. So believing is the way to become a Christian, to have faith. But let's first answer this question, what faith is not, okay? Because faith's a very common word. And a lot of people would claim to have a faith as a part of um, their experience. So first let's talk about what faith is not. It is not a religious feeling divorced from objective truth, right? It's not just having a religious feeling that's divorced from historic Christian truth. For instance, um, I like to tell the pastor's class that I had someone come at the end of the pastor's class and say, I love this church, I, I, uh, I, I'm a Christian, I'm ready to join, um, I only have one problem, uh, I don't think God exists. And that would be a significant uh, roadblock. Um, right, so they're saying I have faith, I have faith. But whatever that faith is, it doesn't include uh, actually the content uh, that's uh, necessary for a Christian. Um, you know, it's, uh, um, um, we, we have had others say, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe Jesus was God, you know? I don't believe in the resurrection. I don't believe in the miracles. I don't really think those things um, happen, but I'm a Christian. See what I, that's not Christian faith. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about um, faith. Um, so uh, not only that, second, what, what is not um, a Christian? By the way, that's Mormons. Uh, Mormons would say we are Christians, right? but they don't hold to the content of Christian faith, right? So just the fact that you have faith, sometimes even if you mention the name Jesus or say you have faith in Jesus, but your conception of Jesus is not consistent with what the Bible says that Jesus is, got it? So it, faith is not a religious feeling divorced from objective truth. Secondly, faith uh, is not a conviction devoid of evidence. It's not a blind leap in the dark. Like sometimes people will say, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that how God, I don't know if God made everything. I don't uh, understand any of it. I don't understand the miracles. I don't understand. And somebody will say to them, well, you just have to take it by faith. You just have to take it by faith as if there's no evidence 
as if Christians are just credulous um, people, right? You know, as, as if being a Christian just means, okay, well, I want to go to heaven. You know, we're all going to die and, and secular people don't offer me any hope. So, hey, I might as well say I'm a Christian and go for that, right? There's no real reason to believe that, but it seems like a bet. I might as well just join that tribe. Um, maybe I'll have a chance at the end, right? Uh, just leap, take a leap, take a leap into the dark. There's no evidence, there's no proof, um, but might as well go for it. Um, it reminds me of people who, you know, I think if you wanna be rich in this country, all you have to do is, is put an ad out on the internet or whatever and say, I've got a pill, I invented a pill. If 75 year old men take it, they'll be like 25 year old men. Boom, you're rich. That's all it would, uh, all it would take. People, people are, are, are credulous sometimes. They're, they're the fall for hucksters. Invest in this stock fund and you'll triple your money in a year. No, you'll triple the money of the person you invest uh, with, you give your money to. He'll triple his money, but you won't, uh, right? Yet people believe this, right? That's not what faith is. Faith isn't just this, uh, okay, there's, there's no rational reason to do this, but I'm gonna do it. That's not faith. You with me? Um, and faith is not a positive, optimistic mental attitude, as if by believing without doubt you can cause a desired outcome, right? Um, if I have enough faith, if I have enough faith, if I can conjure up enough faith, I can move a mountain. I haven't seen any mountains move. Not like that. Um, a positive mental attitude, right? And it's very sad. You often see it in like a cancer patient who actually has very often the idea, if I believe it enough, then it will happen. And I can't let any doubt creep into my mind because my doubt somehow will be a hindrance to my healing. The, the truth is, God can heal anyone, anytime, any way he chooses of any condition, right? Um, but he hasn't promised to. So you don't put your faith in things that God has not promised to do. He hasn't promised to heal us necessarily in this life, right? Ultimately, absolutely, that's where our faith is, right? And you see people later get very bitter. I believed and now look what happened, right? That's not what faith is. Listen, I, I, I learned that as a little kid. I had older brothers and uh, they uh, liked to taunt me and uh, I told them I was Superman and they, uh, they didn't get in line and, and, and believe that. So I said, I'll prove it. So I remember getting up in their bedroom and I thought, um, listen, I've seen it on the movies. There's a guy who does this, I can do this. And, uh, and, and I stood on the edge of one of the beds in their room and I um, just, I probably prayed and I um, conjured up all my conviction and then I flung myself forth and I have a scar right here that I can show you that will tell you the results of my faith. Um, so that's not, that's not faith. So what is faith? What is faith? Faith is acknowledging the truth of everything God's revealed in the Bible, trusting it, and staking your whole life on it. Not only your life, but the life of your children and the life of your children's children, right? For generations to come. That's what faith is. Acknowledging the truth of everything God's revealed, trusting it and staking your eternity on it. Scholars say faith, first of all, is knowledge. There is content to faith, right? So you have to know something. Put your faith in something, you have to, you have to know the facts 
uh, about it. That's why we have creeds, like the Westminster Confession of Faith is a creed. We've been talking about it uh, since January. Or an ancient creed called the Apostles' Creed was an attempt, the apostles didn't write it, but as an attempt to encapsulate Christianity. This is what a Christian believes. This is what their faith is in. I believe in God. Therefore, if you don't, you're not a Christian, right? There's a content to it. I believe in God the Father Almighty. He's the maker of heaven and earth. If you don't believe he made the heaven and earth, then you're not a Christian. There's a content to faith. And I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. You know, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary. If you don't believe that Jesus is divine, if you don't believe that Jesus is eternal, that there never was a time that Jesus was not, that you're not a Christian. You see, we could just keep going. There's a content to Christianity. That's what faith is. You know, it's really important to say is faith isn't so much about the earnestness of our conviction. Um, it isn't about how much we have faith. It's more about the object of our faith. It's our little faith. You know, if, you, if faith as, a, as the size of a mustard seed, it's a little faith in the right object that makes the difference. You understand me? Because our faith will never be anything but little. Um, so it's putting that little faith in the right object. I'll give you an example. So I come down with a heart condition. And I need surgery to save my life. And people tell me, Ocala Heart Institute, one of the best in the country, Dr. Kim in Inverness, he is the man, go there, he'll take care of you. Uh, and I say, I don't trust that. I don't trust that advice, I'm not buying that advice, I'm not committing to Dr. Kim and the Ocala Heart Institute. I'm more interested in Michael Hart doing my surgery. Michael Hart, if you don't know, he's one of our assistant pastors here. His name, his name is Hart. He's a heart expert. Um, and uh, he, I know he's for me, and I know he cares about me, and he'll want to do a good job. And he's good with tools, I understand. He's good with his hands. He fixes stuff in his house. I trust with all my heart. I put my full faith in Michael Hart. See the difference? I'd be much better off, no offense to Michael Hart, I'd be much better off with a little tiny bit of faith in Dr. Kim at the Ocala Heart Institute than I would in having great faith. See what I mean? It's the object of your faith that matters, not the amount. So there's a content, there's truth about Christianity. Secondly, you have to assent um, to this. Uh, not only do I know it, uh, but I believe it's true, right? But you know, that's not enough because the Bible says that somebody already does that. The devil does that. The demons do that. If you ask uh, Satan, is there a God? He'll say, yes, there is. You'd be a fool not to believe that, right? The devil, if you ask him, did, uh, did uh, God create the heavens and the earth? He said, of course, who else could have done it, right? If you ask the devil to profess any, uh, a number of Christian doctrines, he'll profess them all, right? So just knowing Christian doctrine and ascending to Christian doctrine doesn't make you any different than the devil. You just know the truth. And you believe the truth is true. But knowing the truth and believing it's true doesn't make you a Christian. Here's the third point, you have to trust. You have to get in the wheelbarrow. You have to say, not only do I know it's true, and not only do I believe it's true, but um, I'm betting I'm yielding to what God says. I'm gonna bet my life on what um, 
God says. Look at what Romans um, says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is what? Now, who did he write, the, write those words to? The book is called the book of? And who was Lord for the Romans? Caesar. If you didn't confess Caesar as Lord, you died. So to confess Jesus as Lord meant you had to get in the bucket, right? You had to get in the wheelbarrow because it means there's a good chance you'll be executed for your profession. So I believe, I, I know it's true, I believe it's true, but now I'm willing for it to cost me my life, right? Um, and so it is. I take the word of God, you know, there's creation, um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. So I believe that. I believe that's true. I believe that uh, the creation of the cosmos is not a matter of chance, random chance. I believe God made the heavens and the earth, right? And the Bible says in the very same chapter that he made us male and female. So I believe that. I believe God assigns gender. Man doesn't choose his own gender, right? So there are things the Bible says that I commit to, even if it could cause me to lose my job, even if it could cause me to lose public favor, even if people say, oh, that's not very loving of you to say. Um, what has God said, right? I know it, I assent to it, and I trust it. I trust it. That's what it means. Think of a girl, little girl in a burning building. She's on the second or third floor, you know, building's on fire, her life's in danger. Somebody says to her, um, your dad's down there and you need to jump and he'll catch you. Now, is it just a leap of faith? She's jump into the darkness? No, what does she do? Dad, daddy, right? And, uh, and he says, sweetheart, I'm here, jump, jump. Now she knows, right? Now she knows that's her dad. And, uh, and she knows she, she knows the heart of her dad. She knows that her dad will catch her. She knows her dad will never let her fall, right? And she has all that. She can't see him, though. And then she's really high. So what's she got to do? She's got to jump, right? She's got to jump. That's what it means to become a Christian. That's faith. You got to jump. Um... You know, um, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, um, uh, really, he said, you're the man, you know? And, and I need you to tell me what I need to do to have eternal life. And Jesus said, well, have you kept all the commandments? And the rich young ruler said, every one of them. Wrong answer. Jesus said, great then. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. In other words, it's not just what you believe, but you're gonna have to jump, son. And the rich young ruler walked away. He would not put his faith in Jesus. He had knowledge, he even had assent, but he wouldn't jump. Um, so do you have faith? Do you have faith? Do you have faith? Our faith is never strong, I've already said that. We're doubters. But there comes a point where we say, I'm not just drawn to the beauty of Jesus, the truth of, uh, of the Bible, 
I give assent to it, but I'm all in. I'm gonna stake my life on it. It's like marriage. So marriage, what? First there has to be knowledge. You're a guy, you can't marry a girl you've never met, right? You have, to, you, ha- you have to actually be introduced. You have to know something about her, right? And you might even secondhand get information. She's, uh, she's a, a, an honorable woman. She has character. She's a Christian. She um, um, loves to learn. She's, um, she's attractive. Whatever, you, whatever you, know, you get knowledge, right? So you're drawn to what you hear, and then you actually have to, um, you have to choose to uh, believe it, right? So you actually get to know her, and you date, and you take time, and you go through the vicissitudes of life and, um, and, uh, and you decide, I love this woman. I want to do life with this woman. I want to part, I want to serve this woman, but there's still something missing, what? What else do you have to do? You have to get married. You have to get married. You have to say what? I do. In sickness and in health, in plenty and in want, right? Whatever may come, hell or high water, I'm in. I'm not leaving, ever, right? You say, I do. Sometimes people come to me and they say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm, I'm a Christian or not. I said, let me just ask you are, you, are you, are you married? Well, yeah. How do you know you're married? How do you know? They said, because on August 10th and 1979, you know, we stood in a church in Western Springs, um, Illinois, and we said, I do in front of witnesses, right? Well, it's the same with becoming a Christian. Say, I do. If you've never done it, do it today. I do. You're beautiful, God. You're beautiful. I've, I, I'm drawn, and I, I say I do. In all my weakness, in all my fear, in all my faithlessness, I do. Accept, accept the invitation. Come to me, run home. You got it? That's how you become a Christian, the same way you get married. I do. Now let's talk about repentance with the hour and a half we have left. <laughs> so it's, a, it's the opposite side of the coin because faith is running to Jesus and repentance is running away from your old life. So faith is, is running to Jesus, your Lord. Repentance is saying, I used to be Lord. I, at least I thought I was Lord. I acted like I was Lord. So I'm gonna run away from my self-trust my self-righteousness, my self-love, my self-service, right? I'm gonna run away from self. That's what repentance, the word literally means to what? Turn around, right? I'm gonna go in the opposite direction that I have gone in my life. I'm gonna abandon my rebellion against you and I'm gonna become a servant in your army. The fundamental summons of the New Testament, we see it right here. So John the Baptist shows up on the scene and what's the first words out of his mouth? Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. First words out of Jesus' mouth, repent. The disciples, they're sent out on mission for the first time. They went out and proclaimed that the people should repent. Peter at Pentecost, repent and be baptized. 
Every one of you in the name of Jesus. Paul to the Gentiles. He commands all people everywhere God does to repent. This is the message of the, of the uh, first emissaries of Jesus to the world. Repent, repent, repent. The New Testament choice is clear. There is a way to life and there's a way to ruin. The way to life is repentance. The way to ruin is to be unrepentant, right? Um, resistance um, has to be over. It's a, repentance is a radical change of your mind and will and affections and life purpose. You turn from self to living for God and his glory. Now, every single day, you will wake up and aim to live for yourself, even after you've become a Christian. So what do you have to do? There's this magic little word I've been talking about. <laughs> Repent. Martin Luther, 95 Theses on the door of the Wittenberg Church, the number one statement on their theological statement, number one of all those theses. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he meant the entire life of believers should be one of repentance. But the difference is we have a heart now, and the Holy Spirit's in our heart, and we don't wanna live for self, even though we wanna live for self, right? We wake up and there's this battle, but the Spirit uh, whispers to our spirit, we get up and we say, God, I want to walk with you. But I got to tell you, repentance is resisted. There are a lot of people who say, I want to be a Christian. I want the love of God. I want, the, the, I want God to smile on me. I want the favor of God. I want, um, when, my, when my, uh, I'm, I'm in the room and the, and the chemotherapy is going into my arm, I want Jesus with me. When, when I'm sitting by the bassinet in the NICU and my child's struggling for life, I want Jesus in that room. I want Jesus, but I don't want the surrender part. I don't want the deny yourself part. I want Jesus, I just don't want to give him my money. I want Jesus, but he can't have my weekends. I know, you know, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy and all that, but there is Disney and the beach and uh, children's sports. And so I, 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 I love Jesus but I don't want to repent. Um, repentance um, is resisted. It's often very shallow. Um, you know, sometimes you get uh, in a fight with your spouse and, and you just say, um, I'm, s I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry I hurt you. Right? And, um, you know, and then your spouse is still mad and you say, well, I said I'm sorry. I said I'm sorry, what else can I do? Um, no, repentance is deeper. Repentance is really grappling where that all comes from, you know? I remember a guy in my, um, uh, I, when I was early in ministry, all the time it happened, there'd be a marriage and the woman would leave and she'd say, you know, my husband's terrible. And, um, and then suddenly the husband, who had been very lukewarm about church, maybe they didn't come at all, maybe they came once a year, you know, suddenly they were at everything. Suddenly you had St. Augustine on your hands, you know. So they were in the pastor's class, they're in a men's group, they're, if you've got a work team going somewhere in the community, they join the work team. I mean, they are a number one best Christian you ever saw in your life. 
And the minute their wife comes back, guess what? You never see them again. So I learned, you know. I used to say, wow, look, this uh, threat of divorce, it works, you know. Now I don't say that anymore, you know. I remember a guy came to me in the pastor's class, his wife had left, and that exact pattern, he was involved in everything, now he's joining the church, and he came to me one night after the pastor's class, and he said, would you pray that my wife would come back? And I said, no. <laughs> Why would I pray that? You have no interest in God until she leaves. Why would I pray that she comes back? You know, it's, it, it'd be like going to your wife and saying, will you help me get my mistress back? Not too many wives are gonna be real interested in that assignment, right? Um, so you showed no interest in God, now you're white hot uh, uh, about God, but you want your wife back. You know, the ultimate, you know what that tells me? You don't want Jesus, you want your wife. You want your idol back, you want your comfort back. Repentance means you gotta go um, deeper. Um, there's sha- there is shallow um, repentance, an unwillingness to see the depth of corruption I just want to avoid the consequences of my action. Real repentance is seeing the filth and odiousness of our sin and to see that it springs from a desire to be independent from God. Really, it springs from this desire. I wish God was dead. You know, there are children sometimes who in their wrath say to their parents, I wish you were dead. And we kind of know there's really not much worse you can say, is there? That's what happens with the prodigal son, right? What does he say to his dad? I want my inheritance. And the father could say, yeah, but I'm not dead. Well, exactly, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance. I love the money, I don't love you. I wish you were dead, that's what, that's what sin is. God, I wish you were dead, I wish I was God. Sin, we have to own it, it's ugly. And come to the place where we can say like David had to say when he was confronted with his sin. David who took a woman who wasn't his wife and then he killed the husband of that woman. And God confronts him through a prophet. And David has to go to God and say, against you and you only have I sinned. You read that, Bobby, you say, what do you mean against God only? He sinned against the woman, he sinned against her husband, he sinned against his whole nation with uh, his vile act. But he understood the, 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 the principal sin of my heart is against you, God. The depth of this. So, you know, when I was in ministry about 10 years, I went to a counselor and I said, something's wrong. The people in the church, I, I just, there's a disconnection between uh, me and the people of the church. I think they'd follow me to hell uh, as their leader, but I, I don't sense that they love me. And you know what, I, I sense maybe I don't love them. And uh, I, I know I love God. You know, I remember telling the counselor. The counselor stopped me. I hadn't been talking to him one minute, and he stopped me. He said, you think you love God? He said, you don't. You hate God. I remember thinking, I'm paying you money to be told I hate God? I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to hell, buddy. And uh, I'm not going to admit that I hate God, because if I say I hate God, I'm going to hell, and that ain't going to happen. I was a really compliant counselee. Um, but you know what? I came to realize that... Um, like with staff, you know, I, I realized if, if I was critical of their performance, if they experienced disdain for me, 
I began to understand that it, it wasn't because I was eaten up with the glory of God and their performance was not um, making his church healthy. That the real aim of, of my even going into ministry was to feel good about myself, was to earn favor with God, to feel that I was a worthwhile person. All my uh, accomplished siblings and parents and grandparents before me, that I had to make my mark on the world. And if staff didn't get with it and didn't get their work done in a way that made me look good, they felt my disdain. Now you know what I could do? I could say to them, I'm sorry that I was discouraging. Or I could even worse say, I'm sorry that you felt discouraged. But the truth is, it wasn't just my remarks or my looks or my lack of affirmation. It was deeper, wasn't it? It was deeper. It was my lack of security in Jesus. It was my rejection of the love of God as being enough for me. It was my rejection of his being my righteousness so that I had to produce my own righteousness. I had to own my own, earn my own merit. I needed people to look at me with favor to feel good about myself. So I didn't love the staff, I was using them. I didn't love the church people, I was using them to get something that I wanted. You know what I'm talking about now? It's uglier than well I wasn't encouraging, right? That's repentance. Uglier. Go down there. So, how in the world do you do that? You do it only one way because you're utterly safe. You're utterly safe because of the love of, uh, of God. You know, you'll never repent. If you have a pornography problem, there's a good chance you won't repent to your wife. Maybe you shouldn't repent to your wife because she'll kill you, right? It's not safe. You go somewhere where it's safe. Somewhere where you could tell the worst things about yourself and you'll still be what? You'll still be loved. Where do we get that? One place. One place. What does the confession say about repentance? By it a sinner out of the sight and sense not only of the danger but also the filthiness and odiousness of his sins as contrary to the holy nature and righteous law of God upon the apprehension of his mercy in Christ. It's the mercy of Christ. What does Romans 2 say? It says it is the kindness of God, right, that leads us to repentance. Why did the prodigal son run home? Because he knew what kind of dad he had. He wanted his father dead, he took his money, but still in his filth and shame he ran home because he knew he had a dad who would kiss him and welcome him, and so do you. And that's why we can repent. That's why we can go all the way to the bottom of the ugliness of our hearts. And we don't have to hide it, and we can admit it, and we can be authentic, and we can be real, and we can be set free. I saw this this week, this video of a, a guy in a rodeo south of Austin. His son goes out, uh, a young man goes out on the, the bull and he takes a terrible fall and he's unconscious. Look what happens. Looks, gets bucked off a bull right out of the gate and he's there lying unconscious on the ground. That's when his father steps in to shield his son from the bull. Look at it. Oh my goodness. Hooks posted so, the video thanking his dad and the bullfighter saying... His dad was in the stands. His dad was a spectator. But seeing his son there, he runs out, covers him. He shields him. That's father love. 
That's great love. Have you experienced it? That's Jesus' love. Galatians 2.20, what does it say? I've been crucified with Christ. I've repented, I, it's not me anymore. That old me's crucified, Christ now lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who what? He covered me. He, he got on top of me. And when the wrath of God poured down, it poured down on him and not on me. Have you got in the wheelbarrow? Get in. You're in for the ride of your life. Let's pray. If you need to say, I do to Jesus this morning, how about right now? Maybe you've been holding him off with a stiff arm. Don't be a fool. He's the glorious God of heaven and earth. He's your creator. He's offering you the way of life. Your resistance is foolish. Let his love and his grace melt your heart. Nobody will ever love you like he will. He offers you life here and forever. Say I do. Say yes. Say I, I accept. I accept the proposal. And I'm in. Before today's over, tell somebody what you did. And let them rejoice with you that you are in the family of God. Amen. listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.